Welcome to Kids Considered, where two pediatricians discuss children's health topics of interest to parents in a podcast with new subjects considered every episode. I'm Dr. Lena Vanderlist. And I'm Dr. Dean Blumberg. And we're both pediatricians at UC Davis Children's Hospital in Sacramento, California. So some parents and maybe some teens may have heard about forever chemicals and been wondering if this is something to worry about. One more thing to worry about. (laughs) (laughs) Right, I know. Guess what? We're here with a really cheerful topic about Uh forever chemicals. Uh Um, And they may have other questions like, is it linked to health problems or what are these chemicals? How are we exposed? How do they get into our bodies? I know I have those questions. And what are they? Oh, yeah. I mean, what are they? That is the most important thing. And does this mean a lot of these chemicals, I know we've talked about them before when we've done our organics episodes Mm -hmm. or other things, have really hard names to produce. So are you going to make me try to say really hard chemical names? You want me to take those on? Yes, please. I I don't have it in me today. (laughs) Okay. Actually, I don't think they're going to be that difficult. But let's start with what we're talking about when we refer to forever chemicals. Okay. So I know the abbreviation, which is PFAs, but what does it stand for? Perfluoroalkyl and polyfluoroalkyl substances. And that's why they're abbreviated PFAs. Okay. That's not too bad. I think that sounds like comes from like organic chemistry it it mm-hmm. you know makes my heart race like with a little ptsd <laughs> when i hear things like, <laughs> like that. like you're gonna be tested on it <laughs> <laughs> like i'm gonna be tested on their chemical structure uh-huh. but what are they specifically so there's actually thousands of pfa compounds but the most common ones are pfoa which is perfluorooctanoic acid and pfos perfluorooctane sulfonic acid And why should we be concerned about PFAs? So we're not going to have any final answers on this today because this is an emerging scientific area. But there's already many studies that link PFA exposure with several concerning health issues. Right. So PFAs are linked to delayed growth and development. And that's why when we're talking about children, we're really concerned about PFAs because that's so much more important for children compared to grown adults. PFAs can also lead to high cholesterol levels, and we know that high cholesterol levels in children increases the risk of also having high cholesterol levels when they become an adult. Right, and high cholesterol levels leads to an increased risk of heart attacks, strokes, and other health problems. And we definitely want to avoid that. And there are other problems that are linked with PFA exposure. Such as weakening the immune system, which can lead to us being more prone to infections. And then there's thyroid or liver toxicity, or they may affect reproductive function. And increased risk of cancer. And so if you think of all these possible adverse effects of PFAs, we definitely think that PFA exposures in children is something to be concerned about. One more thing to be concerned about. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I mean, those are really substantial things that, that they may be linked to. So tell us where they come from and where they're used. So PFAs are a group of chemicals that are made by humans, and they've been found to be very useful in a lot of consumer products and commercial processes also. So why are they so useful? What kind of properties do they have? Well, they're durable, and they're resistant to stains, water, grease, and heat, and they just don't break down in the environment. 
Uh, so since they don't break down in the environment, then they last forever, and that's why we call them forever chemicals. Exactly. They stay in the environment, in soil, and then they dissolve in water, and they stay there for a very long time. Oh, yeah. So let's discuss how we as humans get exposed to these PFAs, where they are in our everyday life. They seem to be like everywhere. Um, they're used to make um, fluoropolymer coatings and products that are heat and stain resistant. And so these are very useful for like a lot of things that we use um, in our daily life. All right. So let's like start in the home. Um, so PFAs are commonly used in nonstick cookware in food wrappers, in cosmetics, clothing, carpeting, furniture. I mean, all these things are so hard to, like, avoid. Right, yeah. You can, it's you can everywhere. See, you can see how useful they are. Um, I mean, nonstick pans are really kitchen essentials, right? Oh, yeah, I love my nonstick pan. I'm going to mm -hmm. be really sad if I have to get rid of her at the end of this episode. <laughs> so <laughs> local industrial use and firefighting foam may also contaminate soil and water supplies, including public water systems and private wells. And then if it's in the water, it's going to end up in food, right? Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it builds up in fish and shellfish that are contaminated water and also wild game. So once PFAs get into the body, they build up over time, and there's no recommended treatments to remove them. And that's why there's so much concern about these forever chemicals. And because of all the adverse effects that PFAs can have on children, we need to reduce their PFA exposure. And really, it's prevention that's the key. I mean, and not just kids, right? They're important because of their development, but we really want to protect everybody in the family from PFAs, or everybody just in the community and world, ideally. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, and unfortunately, it's really impossible to eliminate PFA exposure since they're so prevalent in the environment. But luckily, it's not completely daunting, like I can't do anything. There are many ways that we can reduce our exposure. Yeah, so the first thing that families can do is to check your local water system to make sure that your drinking water is safe with low levels of PFAs. I'm curious, did you check Sacramento? Um, I didn't check it yet. <laughs> no, <laughs> no well, uh, we'll get to that in a second because okay, okay. we've got a secondary issue in our house that, that I think that I'm pretty confident that we have low levels of PFA. Okay. So we've got okay. a link on our website where you can check your drinking water system um, to check to see if there's PFAs. For communities in water that is contaminated with PFAs, you can reduce your exposure by using a filter. And we've got one. <laughs> so that, that's, why, that's what I figured. I so figured that's why I didn't check because we've got this high-powered filter for our drinking water that we use. That we use it to that because it makes the water taste better. But I looked it up and it turns out that it's really, that it is one of the ones that's a filter that's certified to remove PFAs. And so you really want to use a filter if you are in an area with water contaminated with PFAs. Use one that's certified to remove PFAs and then make sure to maintain it so that it stays effective. Our filter, I calculated the number of gallons that we probably use and we replace it once a year. So we have a link to certified filters um, on our website. Okay, add it to the Christmas list. It's so like funny as you get older, like the kind of things you want. I'll probably add this. If yeah. If, if there is, I mean, Tom will be like, okay, you wanted a nonstick pan this year and now the nonstick pan last year, now the nonstick pan's in the trash and you want a water filter. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? 
If you are mixing infant formula in areas where the PFA is in the water, one option is to use premixed formula, which we talked about in our formula episode, mm -hmm. or use an alternative water source to prepare formula. But I guess I'm curious if, you know, you buy like a jug of water in one of those plastic bottles, does that going to leach PFAs into it too? You know, the bottled water is supposedly better than a lot of the water from the other from municipal health systems if you know it's contaminated. Okay. And hopefully the bottled gotcha. water doesn't come from a PFA contaminated area. Gotcha. And then what about breastfeeding if the mother's been exposed to PFAs? Definitely breastfeed. There's no question that the benefits of breastfeeding for the baby outweigh the risks of the mom having any exposure to PFAs. To reduce exposure through locally sourced fish, seafood, and game, you can check for any local advisories to make sure that these are safe. And we have a link on our website where you can check for these advisories. PFAs can also build up in household dust. So vacuum carpets and dust solid surfaces regularly and wet mop or wet cloth areas to pick that up. Mm -hmm. And when you're furnishing the house, you know, avoid the stain-resistant upholstery and carpets. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, you're going to have to switch to drinking white wine. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's go into the kitchen next. For a snack? Uh, metaphorically, to see ways that we can reduce PFA exposure in the kitchen. Got it. So you want to toss any nonstick or Teflon pots or pans that are chipped or cracked. Um, because okay. Because PFAs are going to leach through those chips or cracks. And then cast iron or stainless steel are safer to cook with than any of those. But there are some nonstick pans that are, are safe, and we'll get to that in a moment. Okay, cool. Many takeout or fast food containers are contaminated with PFAs, so we want to reduce the use of these. And microwave popcorn bags are also commonly contaminated with PFAs. So buy kernels instead and pop them in a microwavable glass bowl popper or on the stovetop the old-fashioned way or with an old-fashioned air popper. Oh, my gosh. And those are so fun. I mm -hmm. feel like kids love those, right? As they're like popping out and it's like filling up your bowl. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It I loved watching watch. that. Yeah. That's super fun to watch. Mm -hmm. So as a makeup user myself, I guess I'm curious about cosmetics because even this morning, my daughter was like, as I'm getting ready for the day, she like loves like putting her hands in there and like, you know, pulling out like a lipstick tube and like chewing on it or something mm -hmm. like that. So when I read this, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, well, you look so natural. You don't look like you use cosmetics. <laughs> so what can be done about PFAs in cosmetics? And is it in the actual makeup itself or is it in the, the packaging of the makeup or both? It's in the actual makeup itself. It's in many cosmetic products um, and it's included in many popular brands. You know, the thing about PFAs in cosmetics, it's not always clear from the label if there are PFAs. All right. So they can also be in nail polish, lotions, cleansers, shaving creams, and then some types of makeup, including eyeliner, eyeshadow, mascara, lipstick. And you can look at the label for chemicals with names that include perfluor or polyfluor. But, you know, sometimes they're not on that list of ingredients. Yeah. And many products that don't list these chemicals have been found to have PFAs in them. But we do have a link to PFAs Central, and they do list PFA-free products, including cosmetics on our website, and other products, including several um, brands of nonstick pans and, and other things. Christmas list! <laughs> <laughs> 
There are, interestingly, blood tests for PFAs um, that some people may be curious about to see how much exposure they or their children have experienced. Yeah, almost everybody in the U.S. has some detectable level of PFAs. So if you do a blood test, you're probably going to detect it and find some. Yeah, and currently the blood tests would only be recommended for those who are likely to have had a history of elevated exposure. So such as those living in areas where the water is found to be highly contaminated. These are highly specialized tests, these PFA blood tests, and so they may not be available at clinical or commercial laboratories. Yeah, and they may not be covered by insurance. They likely will not be covered by insurance, and they cost $500 or more. So you have to wonder, like, am I that interested, and Mm -hmm. what am I going to do with the information? See, that's a, that's a challenge with these tests is they're really difficult to interpret. They really You can't use it and say some number is going to predict some future health risk or not or that it's safe. We, don't, we just don't know that information yet. Right. I think they're maybe more useful in terms of like studying the effect of the issue and seeing how one area in the U.S. or someplace in the world may compare to a person in another area within the general population. Yeah, at the present time, they're really more useful for research, for epidemiologic studies, and for others. It's just not clear how useful they are for an individual. It's really an an evolving area. Yeah, so I know that this seems like a big thing to tackle, right? Like, well, how in the world am I going to do anything about this? So let's take a step back and think about what could be done by about these PFAs in an ideal world, in an ideal situation. Well, we would remove them from contaminating the environment, right? And we'd make sure that drinking water is safe and without PFAs. And we'd remove PFAs from commonly used consumer products. Yeah, that would be great. But Mm -hmm. the current focus in the U.S. is to reduce PFA exposure via the drinking water. And there are technologies that can do this. Um, Like Dr. Dean mentioned, his filter can do this. Some public water systems have installed effective filters for this as well or use other chemicals. Yeah, so activated carbon treatment that's already used to absorb taste and odor compounds. And this also works well to remove PFAs. It doesn't remove all of them, just the longer PFAs. The shorter ones can still get through, but better than nothing. Mm -hmm. And then there's ion exchange treatment and high-pressure membranes such as nanofiltration or reverse osmosis. And there's other technologies that really effectively remove PFAs. However, there are challenges, of course, for scaling up these large municipal water systems. Then, you know, there are some advocating for regulations, creating enforceable regulations, enforceable limits of PFAs in drinking water. Right. Sort of like how there is for like lead or other toxins. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And that would result in decreased PFA exposure for all, which would then decrease our health risks related to these compounds later in life. So in the U.S., there are no federal drinking water standards for PFAs, although the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, is expected to propose limits on two of the most common PFAs soon, with the goal of finalizing the rule by the end of 2023. In the meantime, some states in the U.S. have begun enforcing limits. Mm -hmm. And there are several European countries also considering various forms of PFA bans. So let's summarize the main points about PFAs. PFAs are sometimes referred to as forever chemicals because they're resistant to degradation and they stay in the environment for a very long time, our lifetime for sure. Mm -hmm. And we're all exposed to PFAs through food, water, clothing, and many other products that are encountered in our everyday lives. 
PFA exposure has been linked to delayed growth, development, high cholesterol, hormonal abnormalities, and immune system dysfunction, as well as some cancers. And there are several ways to reduce PFA exposure. I think the easiest one is just to check your drinking water source and make sure you use a filter if necessary, if your levels are high. And then check to make sure that local fish or game is safe. And clean your house regularly to avoid that dust and those particles accumulating. Don't use cookware that may increase PFA exposure and reduce use of takeout food containers and microwave popcorn bags. And you can check to see if your cosmetics or other products contain PFAs. And we hope that regulatory agencies can work to reduce PFA exposure for all. Definitely. I mean, this is one of those topics that just feels like sort of overwhelming. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I mean, sort of like in the organics episode, too, Mm -hmm. or like pesticides or things like that, where you're like, you know, I think one way to make it feel less overwhelming is just to say like, well, what's the one small step step that I could do to reduce Mm -hmm. my risk or like the few small steps? So when we did the organics episode, I remember one of the top things um, that's contaminated and that's a problem is um, leafy greens and lettuce. And so, you know, immediately that's like was at the top of our list was I stopped buying conventional lettuce and and we have a salad every night. So we now use Use organic, organic organic romaine. You know, we don't buy everything. Yeah, we don't use everything organic, but that was one that was like high value. Mm-hmm. That was the on the dirty dozen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so for the PFAs, you know, the drinking water is um, a feasible thing to do. And then the cookware. Yeah. My nephew swears by this one brand of cookware, Hex- Hexclad. Have you ever heard of that? Hexclad. I don't think so. But it's on the list. It's a really cool looking um, pan that's got this little hex pattern on it, and it co- we are not supported. We are not supported <laughs> no. by Hexclad. This is not an ad. Uh, no, but they, <laughs> but he, 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 you know, he he got some for his whole family, and it was recently yeah. um, at the in laws and cooking with it. It really, it's, it's, it cooks great, and you can. And they say you can even use metal utensils with it, which I wouldn't do, but you know, because you always worry about scratching. But yeah. they say it's okay to use that. So, you know, I came home and I looked it up, Hexclad, yeah. and it's like it's PFA free. So Ooh, so you can okay. find this stuff when, when you're shopping. So if you are in the market for anything, um, you know, check it out and just get something that is without PFAs. That wraps up this episode of Kids Considered. You can find more information on our website, kidsconsidered.ucdavis.edu. Follow us on Twitter at Kids Considered. And Instagram at Kids Considered. If you have feedback on this show or topics you would like us to discuss in the future, we would love to hear from you. Please call us. Our number is 916-915-3388. Or email us at kidsconsidered at gmail.com. Please rate us on iTunes or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we hope you will join us for our next podcast. Kids Considered is sponsored by UC Davis Children's Hospital.